Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. And today we're going to definitely talk about what works with the biggest social platform on the planet, Facebook. I'm going to be joined by Rachel Miller, and we're going to talk about how to improve your Facebook organic reach, and you're going to love this episode. By the way, if you want to reach me, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. Hey, are you on Clubhouse? Be sure to follow the Social Media Examiner Club for some amazing live content. We go live every Saturday. And also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow us so you don't miss our future content. All right, let's transition over to this week's interview with Rachel Miller. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Rachel Miller. If you don't know who she is, she's the founder of Moolah, a company that helps female entrepreneurs grow their audience with organic Facebook marketing. She's also host of the Traffic Maker podcast, and her course is Grow Your Audience. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Michael, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Well, I'm super excited to have you. Today, Rachel and I are going to explore how to improve your organic reach on Facebook And everybody wants to know how to do this because everybody in my audience is for sure active on Facebook. Now, before we go there, I would love to hear your story. Like, start wherever you want to start. How the heck did you get into Facebook, Rachel? It's really kind of fascinating to me how I got into it. I've always loved making an impact on people's lives and connecting with people. And I thought that I was going to grow up and become a school teacher. And then from being a school teacher, I was going to come principal. And from there, then I was going to go teach at a college. And I had my whole life planned out for me. I don't know if any of the people in your audience are like that. They have this plan, this path that, that they see themselves on. Well, the path was kind of ripped out from under my feet when I got pregnant with my first child, which was planned, but my second one was not planned to be pregnant immediately afterwards. Mm. So I could not afford on a teacher's salary, two infants in daycare. And frankly, I was sick and also being up all night with an infant. It didn't work. So I had to quit my job (laughs) and I didn't want to. And it was, it was a little bit devastating for me emotionally, but looking back, sometimes when a door is slammed in our faces, that's when the next opportunity is like the biggest and the best one. So I don't know if anybody in your audience has lost a job or felt like their carpet was ripped out from under them. The plans they had have just been shattered. And guys, I love my kids and I was super excited to and grateful to have my second, but it just wasn't in the timing I had planned. Oh yeah. I had something happen to me like that too. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, it wasn't because of kids, but yeah, I mean, I had my plans and they got pulled out from underneath me. And I, I agree with you hundred percent, man. When a door closes, another one opens. So what did you do? And it was the best door, but I didn't even know it at the time. So I came home, I started being home with my kids thinking, okay, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. And I went crazy because I meant to make an impact. And I know people in your audience that are listening, some of them know in their hearts that they're meant to make an impact too. So what, what makes impact? Um, so I went online and started working online. I started working for other people as content writers. I began writing manuals for like companies from other countries who were trying to write manuals of how to use their software in English. That was fun for a little while. I did a lot of like projects where I was working for people, but I still didn't feel like I was truly making an impact. And my husband came home and told me to start a website of all things. I started the website. I grew it to 10 million page views a month. Now, real quick, when did you start that website? Like just give people the context of what year that was. About 12, 13 years ago. Okay. So we're talking like 2007, probably, right? Because my daughter was about one when I did that. So yeah, 2007, maybe 2008. That okay. was right around there cool. when I started it. And it grew to 10 million. That's crazy. I did. I grew it to 10 million. And then I eventually brought on a business partner and sold that website. I left after I had grown it to 2.2 million Facebook fans. And the amount of traffic that that site had was just astronomical. And I left it and I built three more websites and three more audiences, each of them ranging in from 100,000 to 300,000, 600 and something thousand. And I built those audiences without any ad spend and on autopilot. So basically I came up with a system where if you have the right audience, the right message and the right content, you package it together, you can make an impact on the world. And so for me, I craved making an impact just like I was able to, when I was a school teacher with my students in my classes, I was able to talk to them. I got feedback. They like looked up to me. They would laugh at me. Like they would come into the classroom, Miss Miller, I'm so glad to be here. Like I loved that feedback constantly from my students. And beginning a website and then having my customers and my readers give me that feedback just kind of filled up that love bucket in my heart type of thing. So draw the bridge between that and Facebook, just so we can kind of like understand how did that lead to Facebook? You getting into Facebook. Oh, it's fun because I grew these websites to be huge. Right. And I went to teach people how I grew the websites and everyone was like, so that's great that you made this blog post and all. But the reality is, how'd you drive that traffic to that blog post? It's like, oh, you just put it up on Facebook. And they're like, well, we put it up on Facebook and it doesn't drive this kind of traffic. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what'd you put up? Oh, well, that, that's never going to drive traffic. It can't be like this. So I basically had a little audience of 100 people and I thought I was going to teach them how to make money blogging. <laughs> and uh, they all told me that's not what they wanted to learn. What they wanted to learn was how to drive traffic to their blogs, drive traffic to their stores, drive traffic to their fitness studios. And that's when I realized the idea that I thought I was really good at wasn't actually the thing I was good at. What I was good at was driving traffic. And I didn't even realize that I had like a secret that other people didn't understand. So tell us what you're doing today. So today I began teaching people how to grow audiences on Facebook and then use those audiences to drive traffic to any of your offers to help businesses make an impact on the world. We've helped everything from Fortune 500 companies to movie stars, a couple of governors win elections. We helped one person dethrone her student council because 
anyways, we've helped all different types of business. <laughs> That's cool. And we're specifically referring to organic traffic on Facebook, right? Yes. This is traffic with as little ads as possible. So I do teach a strategy that uses ads, but it uses like one to $3 a day. So why should marketers and businesses right now pay attention to organic traffic on Facebook when reach is at an all-time low? Because I'm sure that's going through the brains of a lot of people. They're probably saying, well, you know, back in the day, yeah, that was easy, but now it's not so easy. Why should they still pay attention to this? What do you want to say to them? Oh, I love that. I love that comment because people will tell me, well, that's what happened back in the day. And the reality is that is true. Back in the day, traffic was great. But the reality is today, traffic is great too. It's one of those things like a self-fulfilling prophecy, what you look for, you're going to get. So in my audience, because I knew I was coming on with you today, I went and did like a quick search. So I do have a hashtag Moolah win. And whenever I type it into my community, I can see what people's current stats are when they shout them out. And in the last 48 hours, we have one girl who has an audience of 10,000 and she's reaching 760,000 people with her content. She's a life coach. We've got one girl who's a preschool, preschool. She has toys. She sells toys and like products. And she's an e-commerce store. She's reaching 3.4 million people without any ads. Um, another girl is reaching 1.6. Another girl's reaching 1.3. One of those is an author. Another one of those is in the product space. So what I'm hearing you say is, you can reach a much bigger audience than your Facebook page following, for example, right? Or the number of people that are inside of a personal followers on Facebook if you follow the right strategy. Is that what I'm hearing you say? My word, yes. And guys, these are like not pages that have been around forever. They're not big pages. They're still able to make this impact. The reason being is Facebook desperately, even more now than uh, three months ago, Facebook desperately needs page interaction. Because the iOS changes that are coming, because of the Google privacy sandbox that's coming, our ability to retarget off the app is going down. So Facebook depends more than ever right now, which is why we're seeing these astronomical numbers in reach. It, Facebook needs us to have engaging content that helps Facebook identify who this audience is for. So Facebook can continue to run ads to that person from paid traffic from other sources. They still need content creators and they need content creators who understand how to put content in front of an audience in a compelling way that gets them to click, that gets them to take action without ads so that Facebook can run ads to that person later. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. So what I'm hearing you say is every time you share a piece of content, whether it's a video that's shared all over Facebook or whether it's external link to your blog post or something, Facebook is tracking all of that action by all those people so that they can sell that to advertisers. And therefore that's valuable to Facebook. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Hugely valuable. Facebook finds out that you've just watched a five minute video about shoes. Well, guess what? Facebook's going to send you more shoes. Facebook knows something about your, your interests because you've taken action on that. Facebook knows if you've watched multiple fitness videos that you're probably going to be interested in a fitness marketing program, a fitness coaching program, whenever that's put out in front of you in a marketing material in an ad, right? So Facebook needs content creators, even if it's not an ad. So we think, well, Facebook isn't motivated to put my content out there if it's not an ad. And it's really the other way around. Facebook is motivated to share your content when it's not an ad because it's organic. So it can prove this is someone who's taking action on this content. So then it can drive ads to that person later from other companies and from all of Facebook. And with iOS changes, with Google Privacy Sandbox, off-app 
are off of Facebook actions are going to be harder for Facebook to track. So in the past, when someone would see an ad on Facebook and they'd click from that Facebook post onto the website, Facebook would have the pixel respond back and tell Facebook what all they did on that website. The reality is they're more limited now because of the changes of iOS and Google Privacy Sandbox. They're more limited on the data they can collect from that website. So they're more, it's now content that's on Facebook is even more important, which is why we're seeing these massive spikes of over a million with small pages because Facebook is saying, wait a second, we want to make sure we're capturing people inside the app, not just off of the app. This is good news to a lot of those of us that have been around for a while. <laughs> it's very, very good news. Because we've been very discouraged by watching those metrics just drop and drop and drop and drop, right? And that's why I'm super excited to get into your strategy. So at a high level, what is your strategy? Like, let's walk through the tenets of it. So any business can reach a million people on Facebook. I truly, truly believe that. You don't need a ton of fans. What you need is the perfect audience the perfect message, and the perfect content mix. If you can have the right audience, then you put your message in front of that perfect audience. They're going to find everyone else around them that loves that type of content for you. You don't have to work as hard. You don't have to put ad money on it. As long as you have that right audience, the right message, and then content that builds up the platform. So you can't have content that drives people to YouTube because Facebook's like, wait a second, I want to keep people on Facebook. And YouTube is the same way. It doesn't want you driving traffic to Instagram. It wants to keep people on YouTube, right? So each of the platforms, you have to create content specific to that platform. So this strategy, the AMC strategy, it works with Facebook. It works with Instagram. It works with YouTube. I tend to teach it with Facebook because that's like my jam. Um, and I really, truly believe Facebook is the biggest and best marketing platform out there. It's the most easiest to use to reach everybody. Everyone's on Facebook. But yeah, the strategy is the right audience, the right message, and the right content. A plus M plus C. If you can reach that, you're going to get P, which is your purpose for your business. Okay. I really like this. So let's start with the right audience. What do we need to think about? What do we need to know when we're thinking about that audience? Really, you have the right audience is has to have three things be true about it that it's in your niche. So like if I'm one of my audiences is cat people, I started as a joke, but next thing you know, I have a couple hundred thousand cat people. I don't want to target all pet parents because all pet parents, it's not just cat people, right? I want to target the right niche. So if I'm targeting pets, well, I might be getting my daughter who's really into lizards and not into cats at all. So I want to target if she's really into lizards. So if any of you guys are into like dragons and stuff. Okay, so you want to have the right niche. So if it's the right niche, then you're good. The right niche, typically, I want to have over a million people that I can reach in that niche. That doesn't mean I'm going to get a million people. It means I want to have that kind of pool size. Now, you can have a smaller pool size, like if you're a local local business. But generally, if you're trying to reach the whole country and you're you're not a local business, you're going to want to have about a million people in your pool. Now, real quick, how in the world do I know if there's a million people in my niche? Oh, Facebook has an amazing tool called Audience Insights. I could spend all day, I could do a whole episode just on how to use Audience Insights to like hack the back end of Facebook. Now, wait, is that just the insights from your page or is that something different? It's something different. So you have insights on your Facebook page, but you also have 
Facebook gives you access with audience insights, just Google audience insights on Facebook. And they give you access to all the data of all of pages and all interest groups and the activity levels where people are following, what type of advices they use um, of all of Facebook. So is that mostly uh, for the ads platform? Do you need to have an ad account to be able to get access to that? Do you know? Anyone can enter it. You just have to have a Facebook page. So let's say we pull up that because some people are going to pull this up for the first time. What are we doing? Putting in keywords and then it comes up with a number. Is that how it works? Yeah. So what you're going to do, you would open up audience insights, like type in Google audience insights, go to the one that's the Facebook link. Once you're there, you're going to click everyone on Facebook because a little pop-up is going to pop up, click everyone on Facebook. And then on the left sidebar, it's going to say interest. And you're going to want to type in your niche phrase there. And when you type in your niche phrase, Facebook's going to tell you how many people are in that space, what pages they like, some of their demographic information. So like where they're located. So you'll know if you're selling, say, monogrammed items like a monogrammed bag. Well, you're going to know by looking at that, that you're going to prefer to target people in Florida because Florida, Georgia, Alabama, they'll buy more monogrammed things than Connecticut and Vermont. So You'll see those little nuances whenever you can go into the demographic data. So they're going to tell you the interest. But the tab that I love is the right tab, which says activity. So whenever I'm looking, I want to make sure I have a niche that has like a million people and is that that per, that type. So like if they're into fitness, I want fitness and I want women and I want a million of them because I want to get like, say, 5,000 of it. And if there's a million people, I want to be able to like easily get 5,000 buyers, right? So it's easy if there's a million people. So that's why I want a million in my niche. Then I want the activity. That's that far right tab on audience insights. When you go over there, you're going to see, are these people actually clicking on ads? Are they actually commenting and sharing? Are they liking posts? And you'll see some niches, like some interests, th- th- this page, like let's say they follow Pet World. Well, Pet World, I'm just randomly picking up a page name, guys. Pet World might not actually be where people are taking action. So we think, oh, Pet World, I'm going to target them for pet stuff. When the reality is, no, actually, they don't click on ads. They don't like ads. They don't comment. They don't share. Well, if we're going to put content in front of someone, if we're going to, say, make a brand collaboration and we're going to like target a certain page with ads or we're going to have them on a, as a podcast guest or we're going to say we're similar to this other page, we don't want to say we're similar to a page where all of its audience doesn't comment, doesn't like, doesn't share, doesn't take action. Because if they're not going to take action for that person, they're probably not going to take action for you, right? So you want to go to where the people are like clicking. And and when you do that, well, now you've got the right audience. And then if you put your content in front of them, your content is going to be more likely to take off too, because you already know they're alive and active. Okay. So first of all, we've got to determine the niche and you can get there in audience insights. And then we talk about the activity level and you're saying there's like a tab and it just shows you, is it a percentage or a number or what does it tell you exactly? What should, what should you be looking for for a good activity level? It's gonna show you how many likes they give in a month, how many comments they give in a month on average, how many shares, how many times they click on ads in a month. So you can see that based on a different interests. And then you can even narrow it down to different pages. So I could type in social media examiner and I can see how many people are liking posts every month, commenting every month, sharing every month. And I can say, oh, that's awesome. And then I can say, well, if I'm making an audience inside Facebook. A bigger audience or something? 
Yeah. Is there one out there that has better comments, better shares, better engagement? Because I want to always have where the activity is the highest. So what do you do with this information? Like you've got this information, you understand you, you want to get in front of this audience, but how in the world, if you're not running ads, does any of this apply? Well, you can do this with a dollar a day. Like I said earlier, we do a, like a boost strategy of a dollar a day, but also there's whole list of strategies. I call them niche neighborhooding tasks. So we give Facebook signals that we like a content and we give Facebook signals inside of Facebook. So like if you're on your wall and you're seeing your cousin's baby, what do you do when you see the post and you like the post, right? You're going to give it a thumbs up. You're going to maybe comment on it. You might tag another relative and say, oh, the, the, look at so-and-so's walking, right? You're going to do all of those activities, right? You might save it. You might share it. You might send it in Messenger. All of those are different signals that our audience gives to Facebook to say this content's relevant to them. And now Facebook's going to give them another picture of their cousin whenever they put a baby up, right? So Facebook knows those things. We want to give those same signals to Facebook and say, our page is just like this page that has high activity. And we can do that. We don't need that other person to collaborate with us for, for them to drive traffic to us. We can literally use just Facebook signals and make that happen. And that's things like going to their page and leaving a comment. That's things like tagging their page in one of your posts. That's doing something like sharing from their page to your page. It's doing something like when you've got a great post and it, maybe it's about them and it features them, you're going to go and share that in a comment back onto their own page. You're giving Facebook signals, I'm just like them. And what you're gonna see when you do this with those active pages is Facebook's going to begin saying these pages are similar because they're having similar signals going between them. So we're going to drive traffic from the active people on this page that you're targeting to you. And you're going to see page suggestions just go through the roof as you begin growing your audience without you having to run any ads. Okay, cool. I love that connection. It's starting to materialize in my mind. I can track with what you're saying. So is there anything else about the right audience that we need to be thinking about? Like, let's say, go back to your cat example, cat lovers, right? I would imagine there must be some connection between the audience and the next part, which is the message, right? Like, so how do you connect those two things together? Well, you want to look and see what posts have done well with the audience, that, the niche that you find, the, the interest that you're going to be connecting yourself to. You look at those posts and say, what makes the audience look good? What makes them feel good? What makes their life better? And then create content as if your audience was saying that content. So it's not content that we're saying about ourselves, our business, and our products. It's something that we're saying about who our audience is. Anytime that we can self-identify our audience for them, they will naturally like want to share it. I think of like uh, my son, he, he has this t-shirt he was wearing to school like every single day. I mean, without, I would have to like peel this thing off of him and it's its stage manager because he was so excited that he was the drama club's drama team, whatever stage manager that he wanted the whole world to know he was the stage manager. Mm -hmm. um, I see other people who wear like Broncos fan or whatever the football teams are. I don't really follow. Right, 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 right. But they'll wear a shirt and it says that because they want the world to know that's who they are. Right. So that same concept of, I want everyone to identify me as this certain person we get to use on Facebook because anytime people are interacting with content on Facebook, they're interacting with it because they want people to think something about them. 
they know that everything that they're saying and that they're liking, that it's public. So their friends, their family, their siblings, you know, they can all see what's happening. So they're going to say things that make them look good, feel good, and that make them have an impact on others. So if we create a post that says five ways to lose weight by Friday or by in 10 days, whatever, that's not going to be shareable because they don't want the world to know they're trying to lose weight necessarily. Right. That doesn't make them look good, right? It doesn't make them feel good that you're telling them they're overweight. It doesn't make them make their life better, even if, yes, they do need to lose that weight. And that ultimately would make their life better, but it doesn't make them feel good in that moment. And instead, you could say things like, the jeans feel great today. Well, everyone wants their jeans to feel great. Does that make sense how you just pivot that same message and just put it into the positive. So are we talking right now about the right message? Is that what we're focused on at this moment? Or are you just answering the question about the connection between the right audience and the right message? Yeah, I think I got off on a tangent there, but yes. So basically when you have the right audience, you can look at the content that those pages, where your niche is, where that audience is and see what makes them look good and feel good. When you're wearing that message, you can create content on your page that then tags those other pages and that you share between those pages that basically wears those messages for your audience, for their audience, and you bring them over to you. Okay. Now this is interesting. The wearing the message, right? Like break that down because I've never heard that phrase before. I think I understand because you were talking about the stage manager and your son and all that stuff, but like, like practically, tactically explain to me what the heck this means. What does it mean to wear the message? When you put a post on your page, your page is wearing the thing that your audience wants the world to know about them. So the message that you're going to say isn't your like elevator pitch. It's what your audience wants their elevator pitch to be. So let's do debt relief, just because that's a really hard bumper sticker to wear. The person who's struggling with finances doesn't want to wear um, a sticker on themselves that says struggling with finances sign up now, right? That's not something they want people to know about them. What they do want people to know about them is that they're working towards freedom and that they're successful and that they think it's funny that they went to Costco and got a year worth of toilet paper and a kayak. They want the world to laugh at them, right? They want to smile through their struggle. So how can we, when we create content, feature who our audience is? So we literally help them self-identify, but in a positive way. So that way, when we're a debt relief coach, we're not saying debt relief coach because no one's going to follow a page that says debt relief coach. What they will follow, though, is financial security advisors and financial security community, right? Because they're working towards financial security, and that is somebody who's debt relief. Am I making sense there, Michael? Yeah, totally. So I guess the question is, you know, everybody has their page and it's about their company or it's about, you know, typically it's for the company, right? Like social media examiner is a great example. So if I was thinking about how I would do something like this for social media examiner, we help marketers become more valuable, right? So what we're trying to do is help marketers be the superhero in the company that they work for. So what kind of content could we create if we knew that that was what we were trying to empower them to do? What's your thoughts on that? Just so we can kind of break this down. So it would be content that says marketers are superheroes. They save businesses every day. Mm. Marketers, when we bring traffic, we do da, 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 da. When you're saying what the marketer wants their boss to say about them, that marketer is going to share that content quietly. They're going to like that content with the hopes that their boss is seeing this message about who they are. 
Okay. I like that. So what I'm hearing you say is the old strategy is to take your blog post and just link to it. <laughs> the new strategy <laughs> is to create content that people want to wear on their shirt really is what I'm hearing you say, right? They Literally wear it. Yeah. Literally wear it. Like that's the kind of content you need to create. That's the message that's going to resonate and that's what's going to get reach. And I would imagine there's room for promotional content. It's oh, just yeah. not everything that you do, right? Yes. And here's the thing. Once you get them talking to you and they're wearing your message, they're going to be so much more likely to respond and then purchase from you. So I know that we turned on a cold ad, never ran it before. We had a one to four conversion rate. We've had 10x ROAS on some of our ads before. Not because I'm like got the world's best ad. It's because we've let them talk to us so many times that now they've like, now they're willing to listen to us. It's almost like when you go to a party and you walk up to a stranger and if you walk up to the stranger and say, hi, I solved this problem and I've got this program and it's got these five benefits. Well, the person's probably gonna be like, okay, and I'm getting a drink here. I'm not, I have nothing. Who are you? Right. Even if they're your perfect customer, they're still going to like roll their eyes and walk away. But if you stop and say, Hey, who are you? What are you up to? Like, well, I, I we're both at the same party. How'd you get here? You let them talk and they tell you something about themselves, especially if you can like get them to say, this is me, I'm totally that person who needs this. Then they're talk to you. What is the thing that naturally at the party they're going to do? They've talked to you. Then a natural thing they're going to do is say, okay, well now tell me about who you are. <laughs> well, that same behavior of like that back and forth interaction, it works on Facebook with businesses. And that's how I've been able to sell to my audience without it feeling like it's a sales call. Love it. Okay. So first of all, we've got the right audience and we talked about how you can use the audience insights tool to kind of find those audiences that are a million plus. Then we talked about the right message and it's got to be something they're willing to wear in their shirt. And now let's talk about the content, right? Because what do you do when you feel like you have the right audience and you have the right message? Obviously you're going to make some content, right? So talk to us, what is the right content and let's break it down. I love it. Yeah. Remember a few minutes ago, I talked about the different signals that Facebook collects to say something's relevant. We craft content to match those signals. So some signals are things like liking a post or giving post a smiley face or hearts, right? That's called a micro reaction or like, yes, ma'am. Like that's a, or heck yes, a short comment. That's a micro reaction. That's a micro signal. Different pieces of content give micro signals to Facebook saying, oh, this is something they like. But you might need 10 likes to equal, say, uh, a share, right? So then we've got time on page. So like they stop and they watch something or even click the stop click or when they save something or they share it or they live a long three-liner or a paragraph content or they tag someone. All of those things are signals. The cool thing is that you can literally compel your audience to give specific types of engagement to your business, to your brand, without telling them, give me a like, give me a share, because that's being bossy and Facebook knows it. And Facebook, they actually make it against terms to say, like this post. Yeah, that's a reach killer. Right it's a reach killer. It, one, it's against terms. And two, it, it, it's considered clickbait. And Facebook will literally ding your page if you do that. But we still want them to like our post, right? So how do we get them to do that? Memes and photos tend to get more micro reactions than, say, a video. So if you are looking at your page, you're like, wait a second, I'm getting a lot of comments, but I'm not getting anyone to like my content. Well, we now need to, as page owners, train our audience to like content. How do we do that? Photos, 
quotes, memes, behind the scenes, takeaways, all of those will get someone to give it a thumbs up, a heart or a smiley face, right? So wait a minute, just the type of content alone without any ver- words will solicit that kind of reaction because that's what people presumably do over on Instagram. They're just used to like hearting on Instagram or liking uh, an image and they're more likely to do that than they are necessarily a blog post, right? You already kind of mentioned that earlier, right? Yes. It's actually interesting because Adam Osri, who made the Instagram feed, is also the guy who made the news ranking system in Facebook. So it's the same guy, same system, same. Yeah. Adam Osari (laughs) used to be like, as far as I was concerned, the evil dictator of Facebook because he's the one that made that darn news feed so difficult, right? And now he's running Instagram. But but yeah, you're right. I so, love it because I can game it because <laughs> I loved it when he came on because I was like, oh my word, this is so easy. <laughs> yeah, you can predict what he's likely going to do over on Instagram. So what I'm hearing you say is that the photo content gets a certain kind of reaction and the quote graphics and stuff, and that's something good. So we should put some of that in our mix. Is that what I'm hearing you say? So you want to have photos because they get those mic reactions. If you're wearing that message, that message that says, I'm a stagehand. Well, guess what? A stagehand's going to do when he sees that post. He's going to give it a thumbs up. He's going to give it a heart. He's going to give it a like, right? And that gives Facebook a signal, a micro signal that this content and this page is relevant to that person. But that's not the only type of content because that's like you're missing out on comments. You're missing out on time on page. You're missing out on shares, right? So we need photos, videos, conversation starters. That's what I call an engagement stack. You create a photo post, you create a video post, you create a conversation starter post. When you follow that stack, you're going to see that you're going to get all of those signals on your page coming into your content. And so now Facebook says, whoa, this page is awesome. It's getting this type of engagement. So we're going to drive more traffic to this page because it's being a good Facebook citizen. Okay. Before I get to video and conversation starter posts, is there anything you've learned about uh, photos and memes and like quote graphics that are useful either do's or don'ts when you're creating these? Like we said earlier, be very careful with those bossy calls to action. So don't say like this, share this, tag this. Um, you're going to want to, when you're creating your descriptions, to imply. So saying something like, bet you know someone who's going to need this. Ah, I see what you're saying. Okay, cool. That implies go tag your friend. Yeah. If you want this later, maybe it should go on your wall. Like that's a way of saying like this or share this or save this, right? So you want to be careful with the bossy calls to action. And I also tell people to be careful with what I call the band words. It's not an official list, but it's just words that if it sounds like money should be attached to it, like then it probably should be run as an ran as an ad. So things like get buy one, get one free. Well, guess what? Facebook's like, wait, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> or or invest or something like that, right? So <laughs> Yeah. So if it sounds like an ad, if it smells like an ad, then it probably should be an ad, not a piece of content on your Facebook page. Any limitations on on uh, the use of text inside the graphics? Um, as far as you're aware, like, you know, in the olden days, there was a 20% rule for ads. Do you feel like that doesn't really apply for pictures? Sometimes if you put a lot of words, it struggles a little bit. But even with ads, I know with ads, it's more acceptable now than it was in the past. I just didn't know whether or not you avoid that when you're making quote graphics and stuff like that. Or do you just not worry about that? I still avoid it because people's brains can't process a hundred words on a screen at one time. Right. So I want to think, how can I make that message of look good, feel good, make life better in a way that's almost like a t-shirt slogan? 
or a bumper sticker on the back of a car. It's not something that's like a whole paragraph because their brains don't want to read a whole paragraph. They're lazy, just like I am. (laughs) They want to read, can it fit on a bumper sticker on the back of a car? Okay, then I can put it up there. So generally I want it tight. Do you keep them square? What about the shape of the image? Does it matter? Well, you want different shapes for different things. So you can use um, tall images in your stories. You can use um, square images or tall ones inside of photo spots. I typically want, if it's tall, to be three by four. Yeah, three by four is the one the dimension that I tend to use for tall. So it's not exactly the nine by 16, but now we're getting into the nuances. It's no, that's totally cool. And I hadn't even considered using these inside of stories. So you can use these inside of stories just yes. as much as you can use them in your actual feed posts. Yes, this works on stories. This works on profiles. This works on Instagram. It works on pages. It works in Facebook groups. The same engagement stack literally works in all of the places. Okay, let's talk about the video side of things. That's a scary thing for a lot of people. What what kind of videos are we talking about here with this strategy? Basically, a video helps people stop the scroll because there's movement. They naturally will stop the scroll and they are more likely to share a video and they're more likely to save a video. So a video that has tips, they may not leave a comment because they don't want their boss to know that they're saving this thing because they don't know what it is, right? They're like, oh my word, I just learned something new. They may not share that because they may not like that or comment on it because it may not make them look good. But a video with a top tip, they're going to be more likely to save that video. When they save that video, Facebook has its like ringers go up and it's like, oh my word, this is awesome. So now they're going to put that content back in front of that same person, but also seven people just like them. Maybe not exactly seven. I pulled that number out of a hat, but it definitely shares that video to more people because it's been saved. So videos have time on page, which is huge. It has shares, it has saves. And this works with all different types of videos. So you could have those short little like GIF like videos that are like under 15 seconds as stories or in your feed. You could have um, videos that are 30 seconds long, like a little fast takeaway. You could also have videos that are three minutes long that you stick into playlists. And Facebook loves where now that's going to play one video and then play the next video and play the third video. If you get them to watch three videos in a row, well, guess what Facebook's going to make sure? Anytime you put a video out, they're going to see it for a while because they're going to be trained to see all those playlists. And I would imagine they don't have to be talking head videos, right? You can use tools to create. You could probably take the same quote graphic that you had a picture of and you could figure out how to animate it somehow and make a little video out of it, couldn't you? Oh, I make it even stupider, easier than that. Stupider, even a word. Um, sure. I, you know how they've got those cooking videos where they show yeah. over the head yeah, tasty. and someone's like, I started doing those and they're taking off like mad sauce because the reality is I'm a mom of six kids and I do not have time always to put makeup on and look all pretty. And I, that was stopping me from taking video content. And, you know, I was like, well, I don't look perfect today. I don't feel like. <laughs> oh, I see. So just your hands are in the video is what you're saying? Yes. And I'm a marketing person and it's just my hands and I'm literally just writing it down and talking and that's it. Oh, I see. So like you could do the same thing with like a little dry erase board or something along those lines. Interesting. We have one person in our community who is the largest person on Facebook that I know of right now. He's reaching over 120 million people a month. He doesn't have videos of himself. He takes videos of other things. And like he has like his mantras. He's a morning motivational person. He has his mantras and he'll do them while he's looking at a, a stream. So he's looking at the stream behind his house and he's got the video on the stream. And, and he's words are popping mantras. up on the screen or something like that? Or is he or is his voice that's talking? It's his voice. You don't see him. He's extreme introvert. So let me ask this question. Speaking of words, 
do you assume most people are not going to be unmuting when they watch these videos? And should we put the captions on the screen or maybe bake in the captions if you understand what I'm saying, even if the audio is on so they can read the words and at the same time they're hearing it? What's your thoughts on that? You have to do um, some type of transcription, either transcription or what I do is I write the words out like physically I'm writing them. So you have to have some type of way for people to understand the content without looking at it. So think of yourself whenever you're like watching binge watching videos, most likely it's you're in the middle of the night and you're in bed and you're watching like 17 videos in a row and your spouse or partners behind beside you like like mad that you'd be awake, right? If they heard it. So they don't hear it. They, you just, they, you get to watch the video, have the same experience without um, sound. Almost all of the videos need to have the ability to be understood without sound. And again, this is content that you would wear that we're still focused on that kind of content here with these videos, right? Yes. You can do content like that's a tip or a takeaway, but you have to say to yourself, is this something that my audience would want the world to know about themselves? I don't want to do five ways to clean your carpets because it's going to make them look bad that their carpets aren't cleaned if they've ever tagged in it, if they're shared with that. If their mother-in-law says, hey, Rachel, you need to read this post, (laughs) that's going to make them look like they're like difficult, right? And it's going to make me look like I have a disgusting house. Um, But instead, if that video said five ways to get your husband to clean the carpets, ah, (laughs) now my mother-in-law could say it and I laugh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm tracking. And now I, it's the same content. It's still telling me that my carpets could be cleaned, right? but now I don't feel threatened by it. Yeah. Okay, good. Conversation starter posts. What are those? Basically, you just ask your, I call it a heartbeat question because if your audience is your perfect niche, if your message is on track, then you can ask this heartbeat question and they're going to say yes, no, or I know somebody who. It's things like, are you a parent and you're running a business? Well, if they're a parent and they're running a business, they're going to say, yeah, that's me. I have so many kids. Show us the last picture you took of your dog. Well, if they are a dog owner and that's your person and your person is a dog owner, you're not going to do this if you sell tea. You're going to do this if you're help dogs, right? You're going to say, show me your dog and your dog owners are going to show you their dogs. If you do sell tea, well, it's going to be, what's your favorite morning blend? They're going to tell you the favorite morning blend. The rest of us, we don't know what a favorite morning blend is. What? Like (laughs) uh, paint? A tea person knows what that is. So you ask a question and your audience is compelled. They can't help themselves, but they answer it if they're the right person. Okay. And it doesn't really matter if it's just a one word response. Cause I know back in the day they were talking about meaningful conversations on Facebook. Is that kind of out the window now? Does it really matter whether they're just putting one word answers versus full sentences? If you want to have a three liner, three liners with tags are the most important. So if you're saying who here is running businesses and building businesses and families at the same time, raising businesses, raising kids, they're going to respond. Yes, that's me. And the perfect person is naturally going to say something about their business or their kids. It sounds like they're just going to answer with one words, but usually when they're your perfect people and you put that in front of the right one, they're going to tell you how old their kids are. They're going to tell you, well, my kids have all left the house, but I still, now I'm going to have grandkids. (laughs) They're going to give you an earful because they're your perfect person. How in the world do we come up with these conversation starter ideas? Like, is there a simple technique that you, you can think about that we could just employ? How do we start? Oh, well, I, I didn't mean to mention this here, but I did. I collected because we've helped over 52,000 businesses so far. And I've gone into their stats and I've pulled their best conversation starters and I packaged them up and gave them to people. So it's um, postdeck.io is the website. And I literally just g- give you like a thousand of them. Okay, cool. Sweet. So 
moral of the story is we could look at other people and see what the heck they're doing and get inspiration from it. Right. So, so, and, and you kind of alluded to that earlier, right? When you look in that insight stuff and you can kind of see who has those big engaged audiences, you should go look and see what they're doing. And if there's some stuff they're doing that is getting a lot of engagement, then you could put your lens on it, right. Or your angle on yeah. it and you could try to create something similar, but different. Right. And that's, that's actually what we've done with the, the, the people in my community, uh, my Facebook group, Grow Your Audience, the Facebook group. We've gone in and taken their best posts. So let's say the one business I'm thinking of that we took one of, we took like five of her posts. She's a golf course. She runs social media for like 200 different golf courses. Well, she found that these five or six posts were like gangbusters. These conversation stars got all the golf people to talk. Well, no one else really in the group runs golf courses, <laughs> but we could take out the word golf course and we could replace it with a blank. And then you could fill it out for a local realtor and you could fill the same question out for, you know, a dog person. We keep bringing up dogs. <laughs> well, okay. This is perfect. Now, you know, there are some people listening right now that says they're thinking this is gold, but there's a, but how do I promote my stuff? So I want to address that real quick. Cause like, this is obviously creating a super engaging reach and audience and stuff. Maybe say a few words about, what if we've got something to sell? How do we mix that in with all this stuff? When you have content that's got this engagement, you're going to have an audience that's there and ready and trusting you and waiting for your for you to sell. So now that you've got your photo, your video, your conversation starter, now it's time for your fourth or your fifth post. And that is, here's my offer. So you've given them a chance to talk. So now they're open to you saying, this is what you have about you. So it's just like when we go to the parties and we ask them, who are you? Da, 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 and they tell us, then we they respond to us, tell us about who you are, tell us what, that's what that fourth or fifth post is. And that's where it may not be something that you're selling. Your offer might be get on my email list. Your offer might be, I have a Facebook group. Your offer might be watch my podcast episode, watch, listen to a podcast episode, but you're going to give them an action to take every fourth or fifth post. Love it. Holy cow, is this solid gold. Rachel, if people want to discover more about you and or the things that you've got to offer, where do you want to send them? I'm opening up a podcast, Traffic Makers. I would love for them to come listen to some of my episodes. Is it Maker or Makers? Makers, Traffic Makers. Okay, cool. Because I think I said it wrong at the intro. So check out the podcast, Traffic Makers. And then what if they want to go check beyond the podcast, where do you want to send them? Like, how can they get to you if they want to get to you or get to your company? Yeah, my Facebook group is Grow Your Audience and I'm on Facebook as Moolah Marketer. M-O-O-L-A. Rachel Miller. Oh, A-H. Sorry. (laughs) I saw the H. I didn't say the H. It was right there. (laughs) You're fine. This is fun. It's been so much fun being on with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on. This has been solid gold. I know a lot of people are going to like listen to this more than once. Thanks again. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show, are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. 
So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 455. If you're new to this show, hit the follow button. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about this show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.